This is the Joe and Amber Podcast. Welcome into Joe and Amber on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Mark Zeno, Martenzi Johnson with you guys for the next two hours, filling in for Joe and Amber this evening as it is V-Day again 30 years ago. Jim Valvano gave that legendary speech at the ESPYs and the V Foundation for Cancer Research was born. 888-SAY-ESPN, that's 888-729-3776 is the phone number if you'd like to join the show. Of course, if you'd like to donate V org slash donate. 100% of your donation goes directly to the game-changing cancer research. Again, v.org slash donate. Martenzi, welcome in, brother. Great to be with you tonight. we got a lot to get to, including some NFL news. Jets are back on hard knock. Someone needs to drop a couple of LBs and a whole lot more, but it's great to be with you, brother. No. Uh, in our pre-show, like I was like, Mark came in hot, and that's the type of energy that I like, especially on a Wednesday afternoon. So I'm looking very forward to today's show, Mark. People seem to say that about me, that I come in hot. I probably need to tone it down a little bit and, and, and pump the brakes a little more. But we got two hours together, uh, and it's going to be a great night here for us on ESPN Radio. Again, 888-SAY-ESPN, the phone number, if you'd like to join us. And, and we'd be remiss if we didn't start out at the top here talking about V-Day and SB day And if you're able to give to the V-Foundation, again, 100% of your donation goes to cancer research. Cancer touches us all in some size, way, shape, or form. And uh, any donation, no matter how big, no matter how small, is certainly appreciated. Joe and Amber presented by Progressive Insurance. Save when you bundle RV, boat, and motorcycle insurance. Visit Progressive.com. Uh, we're going to hear from the late Stuart Scott here before the end of this segment. But, again, it's been a very interesting day uh, in the NFL with the bombshell report that it came from Don Van Adden and Seth Wickersham uh, as Daniel Snyder in the leaked emails here. And I got to tell you, I read through that whole report. I mean, look, Don and Seth are the best at what they do when it comes to investigative journalism. Just some quick takeaways from you, Martenzi, on what you thought. Uh, the first being that I, I, I didn't think too highly of Dan Snyder before this, uh, but now it shows me that that man is pretty inept, Mark, if anything, because the, the thing I got from this whole breakdown by, by Don and, and Seth is that but for uh, Dan Snyder inserting himself into this investigation and starting to possibly, allegedly, leak emails out, um, he would probably still have the team because his meddling in all of this eventually led to Congress <laughs> opening investigations into him, uh, which then started an, another in- investigation by the NFL, which inevitably forced him out to the tune of $6 billion. But anyway, uh, yeah, Dan Snyder would have still had this team, according to this reporting, if he had just taken his suspension, taken his $10 million fine and just gone about his business. But of course, we're talking about Dan Snyder here. He couldn't just leave you know, all of that alone. Yeah, you know, I mean, the the interesting thing about this for me, one, this is, at least the way the, the, the column makes it seem, this is a really bad soap opera. The backstabbing, there's, you know, name-calling and talking and, you know, betrayal and everything. Like, all I need is some sultry music in the background while I'm reading this and, and, you know, some bad actresses, and all of a sudden, we have, like, the world's greatest soap opera going. I mean, it is the drama that is going on between, and the pettiness between billionaires, and millionaires and billionaires is off the charts here. Yeah, you, you, you like to think growing up that billionaires have it all figured out. The millionaires all have it figured out. And you would just be happy once you got all that money. And then you read this and you can just tell we're all the same here, Mark. No matter how, if you have $10, if you have $10 million, if you have $10 billion, we're all the same. We get off on petty grievances and we will backstab people and we will save ourselves Above all, anything else, even to the detriment of ourselves, which, again, Dan Snyder would still have his team right now, Mark, if he had just taken his suspension two years ago and just left everything alone. But, of course, 
Dan Snyder thought he had to come out on top. And sure enough, again, he got $6 billion. I can't be mad at that. But he's out of a team, one of 32 people to own a team, and he doesn't own it anymore. Yeah, and the other thing that impressed me the most about this article, too, as well, was, you know, when I talk about, like, the soap opera thing, this isn't just, like, two people involved in some betrayal against each other. There are so many hands in this thing. There are so many, like, little tangent arms. Jay-Z's hands. You know, like, octopus arms going all... Jay-Z's involved in it. I mean, you know, like... Uh, you know, Demora Smith, obviously, the Players Association, you know, the NFL, the league off. Like, I, I, it's hard to keep up. You need, a, you need a diagram, like an actual chart of what's going on and who backstabbed whom to figure all this out. We're going to get into this a little more in a few minutes. Right now, we want to play you part of Stuart Scott's ESPY speech from 2014. Every day I am reminded that our life's journey is really about the people who touch us. When I first heard that I was going to be honored with this reward, the very first thing that I did was I was speechless, briefly. I've presented this award before. I mean, I've watched in awe as Kay Yao and Eric Legrand and all these other great people grace this stage. And although intellectually, I get it, I'm a public figure, I have a public job, I'm battling cancer, hopefully I'm inspiring. At my gut level, I really didn't think that I belong with those great people. But I listened to what Jim Valvano said 21 years ago. The most poignant seven words ever uttered in any speech anywhere. Don't give up. Don't ever give up. Those great people didn't. Coach Valvano didn't. So to be honored with this, I now have a responsibility to also not ever give up. I'm not special. I just listened to what the man said. I listened to all that he said, everything that he asked of us, and that's to build the V Foundation. And let me tell you, man, it works. I'm talking tangible benefits. You saw me in that clinical trial. Now, here's the thing about that. Coach Valvano's words 21 years ago, helping me and thousands of people like me right now, direct benefits. That's why all of this, why we're here tonight, that's why it's so important. I also realized something else recently. You heard me kind of allude to it in the piece. I said, I'm not losing. I'm still here. I'm fighting. I'm not losing. But I got to amend that. When you die, that does not mean that you lose to cancer. You beat cancer by how you live, why you live, and in the manner in which you live. Joe and Amber, the podcast. Reggie White, who's a defensive end for the Green Bay Packers, says that the firebombing of his church in Knoxville, Tennessee this week was the work of racists who may have been trying to hurt him. First there was one fire, then there was another, then there was another. It wasn't just Reggie's church that burnt down. Hundreds of churches burned in the 90s. I think we have a major problem in our country that we don't want to admit, and that has to do with racism. Was this 1996 or 1956? 30 for 30 podcast and Antscape presents Through the Flames. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts. Death is the only punishment here. Now streaming, FX's Shogun. My master asks, what do you seek here? To vanquish our common enemies. Based on the global bestseller by James Clavell. War is coming. The epic saga of war, passion, and power. Let it come. FX's 
Shogun, now streaming on Hulu. Welcome back to Join Amber on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Tell that smart speaker, play ESPN Radio. Mark Zeno, Martenzi Johnson, with you guys till 9 o'clock. In for Joe and Amber this evening, again on V-Day, SB-Day, V-Foundation. 100% of your donation goes to cancer research, v.org slash donate. That's the place to go now to contribute. And that's a perfect quote to play because after reading the report from Don Van Natta and Seth Wickersham, did we call it a Natasham bomb since we have Woj bombs and Schefter bombs? Is this a Natasham bomb? So I, wanna, that, 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 I know. That whole report made me want to laugh. It made me think, and I definitely want to cry after reading it, to say the least, as you know, we find out so much more about what went on about the dismissal of Dan Schneider and his being forced to sell the team. Two things, Martenzi, stood out to me. Mm-hmm. One was the amount of meddling and how quickly the NFL inserted themselves into this. And the report states that, you know, Daniel Snyder um, hired Beth Wilkinson to do the independent investigation. And the purpose of that was to kind of keep the league at arm's distance. Mm -hmm. Well, quickly the league inserted themselves right in. They assumed control of Wilkinson's inquiry. They struck an accord with Snyder's lawyers to a common interest agreement that they would share all the evidence and everything collected and neither the NFL nor Snyder would release any information without the other's consent. So, so much for keeping the league at arm's distance mm-hmm. and the league not being involved, they quickly got involved. And the other thing is we know now that there are over 650,000 emails that they had uncovered across the board. We got a dozen of those. And for some reason, this report is going to go away at some point in time. We're all going to stop thinking about this. And no one's going to ask about any of the other 649,988 emails because if you're foolish enough to believe that the emails that were leaked were the worst of the bunch, I feel bad for you. They were not even close to the worst. There is so much dirt on everybody in this whole thing that I can't even wrap my head around it. Yeah, well, I want to start with the 650,000 because it is a big number, and I can uh-huh. understand why people look at that. One, how did Beth even go through all of those? But I just opened up my email. and um, I have a hard enough time reading 25 texts. Yeah, yeah, Mark, I have 7,000. <laughs> my text goes emails. off and I ignore it. <laughs> So uh, who knows what all 650,000 or you did the math, 649, whatever it may be, um, who knows what's there. But, yeah, like you said, from start to finish, I don't know what Dan Snyder's end game was here because, again, he he hires Beth and then the NFL takes that over. But then they come to the common interest agreement, which basically means he can't get in trouble for anything because uh, he won't allow them to release anything. But then he gets the punishment, which he caused. I just want to read this by late june snyder was dictating his punishment down to every detail according to source with knowledge of the deliberations legal sources said that snyder and his lawyers were consulted by the nfl executives in the drafting of news release with snyder weighing in on word choices and that they were later bragging that the discipline was surprisingly light he did that and then allegedly leaked the emails even though he admitted to people around him <laughs> that it was a light suspension, light fine. It didn't really matter. He got to control everything. No embarrassing information outside of what has already been out was going to get out anymore. And he still torpedoed this entire thing. And I, like you said, I just don't understand why he did it if his end game was to keep his team. Yeah, I, I mean, there is a certain quotient of this, and I'm not a millionaire. I'm certainly not a billionaire, so I don't. 100% know what goes on in the minds of those folks. But there's just a certain level of, you know, I, I always kind of say this, Martensi. There's no point in having bleep you money if you never tell anybody bleep you. Yeah. Right? Like, the whole point of being that rich is to be able to say, because I, I can. 
yeah. and nobody can stop me kind of deal. And I, that's part of Schneider's whole you know, aura in general has always been because I'm Dan Schneider and I'll do what I want kind of deal. And so he felt it was necessary for him to sort of leverage his position on multiple occasions. Like it seems like from the reading of the column that he had several opportunities to back off and walk and step back from this whole thing, and he kept going in on it. It is peculiar, however, and again, we keep talking about Schneider. But remember, the fact that John Gruden is the guy that, that also took the fall for all that, it's like where, how did John Gruden ever get involved in any of this and why? Yeah, that's that I think was one of the more interesting things about the entire thing was out of all this, John Gruden didn't appear to have much of a relationship with Roger Goodell nor At Dan all. Snyder, and yet he's the first one who gets kind of thrown under the bus with the emails that are released about DeMore Smith and then later the, let's call it, colorful language that he used to describe Roger Goodell. And it does, and, and in this story, Mark Davis is saying this sounds like a setup. This sounds like he didn't know that any of this was coming out, even though multiple owners in the league office knew that these emails existed. They didn't tell him, and it just sounds like they either – Whatever side decided they needed a scapegoat, they decided that John Gruden's emails, maybe not the worst of the worst, but definitely the most embarrassing, and they had their fall guy, and they did it. But I don't feel bad for John Gruden by any any stretch of the imagination, but I do have to sympathize with him, including why he's currently suing the NFL. What do I have to do with any of this when all of this started with the Washington football team and what they had going on? It just so happened that he was emailing the president of the team. So yeah, it, it's and, and, all weird. And here's the other thing, too, you learn about this. You know, 31 NFL owners plus the Green Bay Packers. I mean, you go to these owners' meetings. Now there's got to be a feeling of which one of you guys is Brutus and which one of you guys is Cassius, right? Like, who are the guys that are going to betray you in that room? Because that's really at the other part of this is that owners were sort of conspiring against one another, conspiring against Snyder, conspiring with Goodell, like all these backdoor back channel conversations that were going on repeatedly were happening. And yet there was still some sense that Goodell was going to protect Dan Snyder. Maybe some of it was what was in the column alleged as the black blackmail PowerPoint email. So the short version of this, if you didn't read it, is that when Snyder realized he was getting in trouble, he must have hired the best investigators in the world. Mm -hmm. And they had dug up stuff on every league executive, apparently, put together a PowerPoint presentation, and showed it to everybody in the league at the league offices in Manhattan. I mean, imagine the the, the huevos to walk into the league offices in Manhattan with that PowerPoint presentation on a thumb drive or on a disk somewhere and just start clicking through the slides and watching everybody's face and jaw hit the table as they are apoplectic about what they are seeing. So so Daniel Snyder was using it as leverage to try to get a lesser suspension. Yeah. Now, the owners themselves, and according to Seth Wickersham, who was on, ES, was on ESPN Radio Mornings, again, he's one of the writers of the column, he doesn't know why the, the league was protecting Snyder. It has baffled owners around the league and executives at what it seemed like that they were that the league was like going out of its way to protect him. Remember when Dan Snyder had his quote unquote punishment, he was essentially dictating his punishment yep. down to word choices in the press release, which never even used the word suspension. I, I mean, it, it's crazy. Like this, th- this is an enigma wrapped inside a riddle wrapped inside of a dilemma. Like I. You know, this is a, this is as complicated as the JFK assassination. Yeah, I, I didn't see you making that connection, Mark. Okay, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, it is all. Uh, it's I, I I like that you mentioned leverage and, and the blackmail PowerPoint. And far be it from me to defend 
Daniel Snyder, but that's quite possibly one of the most gangster things you could possibly do is go oh, into this yeah. meeting where you know you're on the hot seat here. You pull this shenanigan, and it worked. <laughs> because soon after they announced <laughs> that he's just suspended for however many months, even though he decided when he was coming back, he was still at the game, still on the field. The $10 million suspension, which, again, I would, no matter how much money I have, I would hate to be... Have, I would hate to have to pay $10 million for anything. Um, but he got off light pretty much with that. And, again, he had all he had all the leverage. He had all the cards on the table, and he still kept going. And like you said, maybe it's just the FU money. I don't know what it is, but he had them by the, what did you call it, huevos? Um, Short hairs. And he just kept going and grabbing tighter. And it blew up in his face in the end. But I will, I will give him credit because he had the gall to come into that meeting and do it, even though he knew – they knew everything about him, and it worked. And the NFL like, bent the knee to him. That level of self-preservation yeah. is off the charts, right? Like, it is a level that, you know, most people can't get to. I mean, nobody really had a high opinion of Daniel Snyder prior to this report coming out right. from Don Van Atta Jr. and Seth Wickersham. But, you know, the weasel went super weasel in this case here with this Black Point PowerPoint Blackmail PowerPoint. I mean, it's just that, as you said, gangster beyond all belief. And really, it was, you know, you start to feel like it was that thing that set the wheels in motion that, hey, we got to, we have a fight on our hands internally that we need to resolve. Yeah, I think that was at the point. And I feel like the reporting on this previously, um, not the, the PowerPoint, but Seth and Don, I think I had a story last year about how he essentially, Don, uh, Dan essentially had like a hit list or something like that. They were probably at that point like, okay, we've played this game for long enough. It's time to get him out of here. And, again, I don't know who leaked what and at what point, but you started to see more and more action after this. Um, so he really set himself up for it, in my opinion. Absolutely. It, it is going to be uh, – I, I just – part of me hopes this isn't the end of it. I mean, there's a certain level of drama that I'm certainly enjoying from this whole thing. Mm-hmm. But I, I still – I'm still baffled as to how nobody is going to wonder what the rest, what was in the rest of those emails. Like, it's okay. We, we, we've got one bad guy, and we've basically forgotten all the other bad things that anybody might have said at any point in time over the last 10 years, and, hey, we're out. So, uh, coming up next, we're going to hear from one of the hosts of this show, who also happens to be a cancer survivor. We'll get her thoughts on this. Uh, SB Day, the V Foundation, everything. And I'm sure she still wants to take me to task over a certain list of quarterbacks that seems to have made its way around the ESPN hallways here that I'll never be forgiven for. That's all coming up next. I'm Mark Zeno. He's Martenzi Johnson. You're listening to Joe and Amber on ESPN Radio. Joe and Amber, the podcast. Welcome back into Joe and Amber on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Tell that smart speaker, play ESPN Radio. We are presented by Progressive Insurance. It is SB Day. Give to the V Foundation if you're available. Go to v.org slash donate to contribute now. 100% of your donation goes to cancer research. And we would be remiss if we did not welcome in one of our own, the actual host of this show who's joining us, Amber Wilson, a cancer survivor herself. And Amber, thank you for being here. And we are so glad that you didn't quit, you didn't give up. Thank you for being here with us tonight. Well, thank you for having me, Mark and Martenzi, and thank you so much for holding down the fort when Joe and I can't be here. We appreciate you. No, we certainly do. And again, uh, you know, your story, um, which, you know, I know you've shared several times before, but for the new people in the audience, please share your story and your survival of cancer. 
Sure. Uh, you know, my story with cancer started when I was 32 years old. I was diagnosed with breast cancer. It wasn't something that I expected. I'm not sure anybody uh, as young as 32 expects to be diagnosed with cancer. But for me, I always thought of breast cancer as your mom has it or your aunt has it, you know, and you're walking for Susan G. Coleman and you're wearing pink tutus and it's this thing that's in your family. And I didn't really know much about the world of cancer under the age of 40. And one day I felt a lump and I thought it's nothing, not a big deal. I really didn't think much of it. My now husband, boyfriend at the time said, you really should call the doctor. And I thought, you know what? I should, but it's not a big deal. So I called the doctor and the doctor is like, you know, you should come in and you should get it checked out. And of course I did. And the doctor who initially did the exam said, you know, you're so young, you're so healthy, but I don't love how it feels. Let me send you for an ultrasound. And I went for an ultrasound and the ultrasound radiologist said, you know, I just, you're young, you're healthy. It's unlikely, but I'm not loving how it's looking on the ultrasound. So I need to do a biopsy and did a biopsy. And that's an entire experience, a breast biopsy in and of itself, but certainly worth doing to save your life. And uh, I did the biopsy and it comes back that I have cancer. I got the call. uh, It was actually Thanksgiving break. It was uh, the day before Thanksgiving. It was like 5 p.m. And the radiologist called me directly on my cell phone and she said, I'm on my way out of town, but you need to know you have cancer. And that's how I found out I had cancer. And it was an earth shattering moment in my life. It was just bizarre. And it started an entire journey. And I found out through that journey that I did have it in my family, but we had no idea because the way that genetics work now with the incredible advancements of the science surrounding genetics, which is something that funds, like the funds that go to the V Foundation, support. That's the type of cancer research that ends up being so important. And we found out when they ran all of my genetics that I did have this really rare genetic mutation that did make me highly susceptible. It wasn't BRCA. It was a far more rare one, but made me highly susceptible to breast cancer. But we had no idea because it came through. My mom got tested. It ended up coming through her side of the family, but she never had it. Uh, We didn't know anybody who had it on her side of the family. And sometimes, even if it is a genetic risk, you don't necessarily know because you're not seeing it in your immediate family. Maybe it's generations back and something that you didn't have the knowledge of. So that's what I ended up finding out through my journey. And there was a lot to my journey, of course. And I ended up beating cancer. Thankfully, I've been cancer free for I just passed my five year mark. And well, thank you so much. And I I, I owe so much of that to to cancer research and to what we're doing here today on on ESPY's day trying to raise money for the V Foundation. Amber, thank you for sharing that. Uh, We really do appreciate it. You just mentioned cancer research, V Day, all this, um, the ESPY's what does today mean to you um, as one, a survivor, but then I imagine you come across a lot of people affected by cancer as well. What does a day like this mean? It means so, so much. And what's crazy, guys, is I was listening to Mike and Mike back in my 20s one morning, and it was also you know SB's V Foundation Day for them, and they had the call to action like we do today to go to v.org slash donate. And at the time, 
back then ESPN radio used to do an auction as part of it. And I decided to log on to the website because I kept hearing Mike and Mike talk about it. I logged on to the V foundation website. I ended up bidding on some of the items and I ended up winning. And so I ended up donating quite a bit of money to the V foundation. And at that time I hadn't been touched by cancer at all. Like I was, you know, it was easy living early in my twenties, but I just felt like it was such a great cause. And I knew cancer of course touched so many people. And it's crazy that, all these years later, I end up having cancer myself. I mean, certainly not nearly as many years later as I maybe would have anticipated, but I end up having cancer myself in my own cancer battle. My mother ends up dying of brain cancer uh, as well in a very brief and severe battle when she was uh, seemingly perfectly healthy in her 60s. Uh, She got diagnosed with brain cancer the week that I found out I was pregnant with my son. She didn't live long enough to see my son born. Uh, My grandmother died three months later of lung cancer. My father has had prostate cancer and melanoma twice. Cancer has now, at this point, touched my life so many times in so many terrible, frankly, ways. And so I look back on that time that I donated to the V Foundation simply because I was listening to ESPN radio. And now it just means so much more to me because of everything I've been through since that time in the 15 years or so since I made that donation. It's pretty incredible to think. And so now getting to be here as an ESPN radio host myself, which is quite literally living out my dream here and getting to work for ESPN and getting to advocate for the V Foundation. I can't even put it to words. It is truly a dream come true every single year. I beg them to give me as much real estate on ESPN radio as possible on this day. It is so important to me. All of our bosses know how important it is to me to work on this day as well and get the word out. What a full circle moment again. Amber Wilson joining us on. Joe and Amber, Mark Zeno, Martenzi Johnson in for the crew tonight. V.org slash donate is where you go to contribute. All of your donation, 100% of it goes to cancer research. And, again, congratulations to you. Thank you for being a fighter, and thank you for uh, for sharing your story with us. All right, on to less heavy things, uh, you know, like Daniel Snyder, who is, uh, you know, always right. having a good day. Uh, the Seth Wickersham, Don Venata story, your reaction to it. Uh, who's the dirty? Who's the weaseliest of the weasels? Oh, goodness. This story is so incredible wild. I mean, there's so many parties that are implicated potentially in this story and so much finger pointing that's going on. None of it looks good for the NFL in terms of the leaks of the Gruden emails and nothing, of course, excuses the Gruden emails. But it is obvious that there was some sort of leak. It's obvious that there's a reason that that leak existed. And what is that reason? It's, it's like a it's like a soap opera, guys. When I'm reading this article, and what incredible journalism, by the way by these guys getting this story. But was it the NFL? Was it the executives? Was it Goodell himself? Like some people claim, some of the owners around the league who spoke to ESPN think that it was Roger Goodell himself with these leaks. Was it Daniel Snyder's camps? Was it Rock Nation? Was it the NFL PA executives? Like there are so many layers to this. And what it all amounts to is something ain't right. And we've was, known that for a long, long time, right? It was but Professor Plum with a candlestick right. in the library. That's what no it was. No kidding. No <laughs> kidding. And, you know, it, John Gruden sues the NFL. And what's interesting about that, though, is typically when a party sues the NFL, because they're doing it under their employment contract, in the case of Gruden, it gets punted real quick to arbitration. And so far, that hasn't happened in the Gruden case. In fact, Gruden's legal team so far has basically won everything that they've been trying to do. It's still very early on on in terms of that litigation but that litigation right now is still in a Nevada court and that's bad news for the NFL so it's really interesting there could continue to be many many more layers to this story as it goes on 
Yeah, Amber, thank you for that. Um, we're getting close to, to the break, and I, I'm not going to let this go without being said because I understand that you you and you and Mark have beef um, oh about a certain <laughs> NFL quarterback, and we're going to get to this, uh, Mark. I don't. You, you can roll your eyes all you want, Mark. We're going to get to this. Uh, explain, Amber, the beef mm-hmm, and where it came mm-hmm. from and, and why Mark is wrong. Well, I just want to know how I became the most hated man in ESPN radio. I have to work in here for like three weeks. Like, what did I he do? Is, he, is, he is Mark, the hot take Zinno. Uh, oh, that's stop my it. first familiarity here uh, with Mark. It's not really my beef. It's that I was working yesterday with Harry Douglas, and I believe Harry uh, certainly took issue with something Mark said. But Mark did the job well, Martenzi, because what you do around here is you have the take. This is the Dan Orlovsky playbook, right? You got the take, and then everyone talks about it. And we love the material here at ESPN. So we appreciate everything Mark's doing by not making Patrick Mahomes the best quarterback in the NFL, which is completely ludicrous and absurd on every level because he said Patrick Mahomes is frail. And James Steele must oh, be losing his mind back there. She was just sticking up for me. Uh, that, there's no beef. She's just sticking up for her favorite producer. All I'm going to say is this, is that you guys sandbagged me because you didn't play the whole segment, so you didn't hear the stuff preceding the frail comment, okay? Because I was talking about runner running quarterbacks through the entire list and being a runner. But outside of that, Amber, since, since I know you listened to Mike and Mike 15 years ago, I know you're old enough, and this is what I told the guys before the show. You're old enough to remember a time where there was a quarterback, okay, who couldn't win a playoff game, who couldn't win a Super Bowl. His name happened to be Peyton Manning. Who got beat by the Jets 41 or nothing in the playoff game? He threw four interceptions against the Patriots with a 48% completion percentage. And nobody had an issue with saying he was a better quarterback than Tom Brady because he was more talented than Tom Brady. Why is me saying Josh Allen is more talented than Patrick Mahomes so controversial? Well, because it seems not true at this point in their careers. We could have the conversation. <laughs> no, but you're on the using back end. accomplishments. You're not Peyton, using talent. Peyton Manning isn't wasn't as good as Tom Brady. It's absurd even having that conversation, frankly, now. But what? regardless, when it comes to Patrick Mahomes, it seems pretty pretty cut and dry at this point in their careers because there are accuracy issues there when you're talking about Josh Allen. There are durability concerns when you're jo- talking about Josh Allen. I love Josh Allen. I'm not here to insult Josh Allen in any way. I think he's a dynamic quarterback and an incredible <laughs> watch. But it's hard for me to digest as we enter this season in 2023 that the best quarterback right now is not Patrick Mahomes. Listen, if Patrick Mahomes was running around there with Isaiah McKenzie and Zay Jones, a.k.a. Mark Zeno, Martenzi Johnson as wide receivers, okay, things might look a little bit different to the start of his career. Yeah, That's all I'm saying. last year. Patrick Mahomes can seem to play with any. Patrick Mahomes loses Tyreek yeah. and doesn't even skip a darn beat. No, because he's got the best tight end in football history. <laughs> Like something Josh Allen doesn't have the luxury of. He's got a whiny wide receiver in Stephon Diggs and a whole bunch of other dudes running around. <laughs> Sounds like a lot of excuses from Josh Allen to me. <laughs> <laughs> Amber Wilson, the host of Joe and Amber, cancer survivor. Again, v.org slash donate if you want to contribute. Check Amber out. Listen to her story. It's so pivotal. It's so wonderful. We're so happy that you're here with us. And I'm glad you're living out your dream. And I'm glad you fought through all this adversity to be here today. Thank you so much for the time tonight, Amber. Thanks, guys. And thanks for holding it down. Of course. All right. Uh, Coming up next, I feel like I'm on hard knocks. But the Jets will be on hard knocks, but they really don't want to be. We'll discuss it next. Mark Zeno, Martenzi Johnson, in for Joe and Amber here on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Joe and Amber, the podcast. Welcome back to Joe and Amber on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. We're presented by Progressive Insurance, 888-SAY-ESPN, the phone number 888-729-3776. It is SP Day, gift to the V Foundation if you're able. 100% of your donation goes to cancer research. Go to v.org slash donate 
right now to contribute. Mark Zeno, Martenzi Johnson in for Joe and Amber this evening. If you've just missed Amber's story, please go and check it out. Amber Wilson, the host of this show, and her incredible bout with cancer and her survival and a full circle moment to be working here at ESPN for her. All right, uh, the Jets are on hard knocks. Now, uh, Martenzi, I don't know how much you liked hard knocks, but the hard knocks premise in and of itself never excited me. Mm-hmm. For whatever, it just, I, I, you know, it's, it's not football. It's just stories about football players. And I guess if you like that sort of thing, you know, it's you're so into it. It's like to say it. Yeah, it's very... The, if you look at the years that Hard Knocks was successful, meaning it was nominated for Emmys and it won Emmys and it was interesting and fun, the one component it had was this thing that you need on TV for TV shows to be successful. Stars. Mm-hmm. I.e., personalities that people want to see and hear. So, for example, the last time the Jets won Hard Knocks, remember who their head coach was, Martenzi? A uh, man who likes feet. Yes, Rex Ryan. <laughs> Now, that's also a man who, when he talks, people are entertained. He's likable. He comes across good on camera. He can be funny. He can be angry. He's all those things. When the Cincinnati Bengals are on it with Chad Ochocinco, mm-hmm. there's always a good soundbite. He's always interesting. He's always making comments. He's always running his mouth. You know, these are the years where Hard Knocks was worthwhile watching because there were people that they were attracted to that said stuff that drew in. And this Jets team is interesting by all means, but you've picked a team – with a quarterback, and, and obviously the quarterback being the most important position, we always want to hear from the quarterback, right? Like media folks, mm-hmm. that's always – you picked a quarterback who despises the media, yep. who is not going to play into this hard knocks game. You know, I, I mean, he'll do it, I suppose, if his contract stipulates to what extent, but I don't think you're going to get anybody to peel back the, the curtain on Aaron Rodgers. And he's talking about ayahuasca. Is that how you say it? Mm-hmm. Ayahuasca and going into a dark tunnel and everything else and his breakup with – uh, who was he dating? Olivia Wilde or last one I remember the, the, is Danica Patrick, and I feel like that was 10 no, years no, the, the the one from uh, the 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 uh, Divergent movies. Uh, somebody help me out here. Anyway, I know yeah. I could see her face. I can't remember her name. Yeah. But <laughs> yeah, you know, he's not he's not talking on any of this. Like this is you're going to get nothing from Aaron Rodgers, and I feel like you're going to sit there and watch, and you're going to be so disappointed because the one guy you want to hear from isn't going to say a damn thing. Yeah, Mark, I, I, I respectfully, I got to disagree. And you mentioned no. the ayahuasca, and I think that's the most important thing here. Because if this man shows up on camera high off his mind on ayahuasca, that's going to be appointment <laughs> television, Mark. I already plan to From actually watch yes, this. Okay. Yeah, no matter All my right, opinions right on, on the that. Jets. <laughs> no matter my opinions on Jets and, and Rodgers. But, uh, yeah, like, he, this could be very interesting because him, Salah, they all don't want to do it, but they're forced to do it. And... Nothing excites me more than watching people do something that they don't want to do, Mark. Yeah, uh, I can give you a litany of examples in my personal <laughs> life. Robert Sal, the Jets head coach and the presser, uh, a couple of days ago, or last month rather, didn't want to be on Hard Knocks. I haven't gotten word or anything like that. I, I know there's several teams that would love for Hard Knocks to be in their building, but we're just not one of them. <laughs> yeah, short and sweet. Yeah. Um, I, you know, this is where you have, speaking of divergent, divergent thoughts and desires from ownership uh, who can see this as money and profit and bottom line revenue increase. And a coach who's like, I just want to win football games, bro. Like, you know, they, they are completely divergent ideas. One wants one result, one wants the other, and, and the two don't necessarily meet anywhere in the middle. Yeah, and, and whether it's the coaches or the players who are reluctant to do media, they 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 
misunderstand what this entire enterprise is built on. And I'm not one of these journalists is going to say, you have to talk to the media. We made you, yada, yada, yada. But that's part of the job. And because your team has been terrible, Robert Sutherland, that hasn't been your fault because you just got there. But because your team has been terrible, you were a contestant who could possibly get selected for this. And you did. And it's unfortunate, maybe, but... Here it is. You got to do it. And again, I think we can find the entertainment in this. Sauce Gardner, I want to see him dripping in Sweet Baby Ray's sauce like he did on the cover of Sports Illustrated. This will, this has the makings of being great, Mark. And I, I think it, it does, be- but it also could fall very flat, in my opinion, if it doesn't you know register the right way. Now, I don't know if you believe in, in curses or whatever else. I don't believe in ghosts. I don't believe in curses, UFOs, the second gun on the grassy knoll, the frozen envelope. I believe in none of that stuff. But nobody who's ever been on Hard Knocks has ever won anything. So there's that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and could hard knocks affect the Jets' record? According to Lewis Riddick, uh, ESPN NFL analyst was any ESPN radio says it won't. I don't think this team will care. I don't think it's going. I don't think it's going to play one bit of difference as far as whether or not this team really is a competitor in the East or not, or in the AFC overall. I mean, they have bigger issues to contend with that will really materially affect their one loss record. Hard knocks ain't going to mean anything. I think he's right. I mean, it's preseason stuff. It has absolutely no effect on the outcome of any game. Yeah, um, I don't think it's going to have an effect on a record, but it's going to have an effect on how I look at the Jets. Because, again, I haven't watched Hard Knocks. Sorry, HBO. I haven't watched that show in probably 10 years. <laughs> <laughs> I think we, I mentioned Charles James with the Texans. That was 2015. Some, for, somehow, some way, it's been eight years since that. But, um, yeah, I'm actually interested in this. I'm going to watch, though. Solid Aaron Rodgers. Sorry. It's unfortunate. Yeah. Listen, I think I think you're right. It has the potential to be great, but it could fall terribly flat. All could right, be coming worse up next hour, goes. more on SB Day and V Day as well. Someone hasn't been working on their summer body, Martenzi. I'll tell you who that is coming up next. Mark Zeno, Martenzi Johnson, in for Joe and Amber. It is Joe and Amber on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Stay with us. Hour number two coming up next. Joe and Amber, the podcast.